The countdown is on. This Wellness Couch podcast proudly brought to you by the Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne, featuring the hottest topics in wellness, 5G, activism, fats, fasting, gut health, hormones, longevity, mindset, spirituality, and more. Join over 600 like-minded wellness enthusiasts, go into the draw to win over $10,000 in prizes, access the coolest wellness exhibition in town, and more. Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. wellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives you're listening to a quirky journey the healthy family podcast with your hosts joe witten and fuad kasab hey everyone joe from quirky cooking here uh just a little intro catch up before we begin the podcast um, I hope you're all going well and enjoying the school holidays, not going too crazy, I hope. <laughs> My kids are past the um, crazy school holiday stage, so um, we just had a bunch of birthdays or we've got one more to go. Um, so I will have a 22-year-old, a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old and a nearly 16-year-old. So I have three adults in the family. It's so weird. So, um, yeah, we'll be sides besides my husband and I. <laughs> so, um, yeah, things are definitely changing each year with um, new stages of life and uh, new experiences. But you know what? People often say it's hardest when the kids are little. It kind of is, like it's really exhausting, but it's also kind of exhausting. <laughs> I don't want to tell you this if you only have small children, but it is kind of, you know, there's still a lot of, um, parenting to be done when they're older because they they still need you and they're still your babies. <laughs> so we've got one boy that's quite sick at the moment and, um, yeah, going through some struggles with his health. That's Simi, our 20-year-old. So um, I've a lot of my time at the moment is spent looking after him. He doesn't live at home anymore, so I'm back and forth, back and forth. Thankfully, it's only down the street, but still... Um, so yeah, things have been a bit crazy, hectic here at our house. Um, I've also been, you know, doing a fair bit of traveling. So, you know, when you're traveling and trying to work and look after kids and run the household and do all the things, it can get a bit crazy. But, um, yeah, just wanting to give you guys a bit of encouragement as well as the, um, you know, the reality checks. Um, it is a, it is a beautiful time when your kids get older and I've always enjoyed the teenage years and the, the years as the kids get older. And for those of you who do have young kids, don't be afraid of the teenage years. Put in the effort while they're young as much as you can to spend as much time with them as you can and to share what you're learning in a um, positive way. And, um, yeah, I think time is the biggest thing. It's funny, I have a lot of parents say to me, how did you manage to have such a good relationship with your kids and how do they help you around the house so much and help with the cooking and, um, you know, help each other out? And when I was sick a while back, you know, my kids were all looking after me and when if anyone in the family gets sick, we all pitch in to look after each other. Um, and I say, well, I started young um, and I made sure I spent, a lot of time with them and you know you get that um, saying that it's quality time not quantity time that's important I don't quite agree with that um, 
it is good to have those quality times where you sit and talk one-on-one, have a D&M, you know, just really spend that time um, one-on-one with each child. But it's also just really important to have the quantity time. So if you're never home and they're never home and you just don't eat dinners together and you just never see each other, um, you know, that that will definitely push you apart. So for us, um, we always tried to have at least dinner together, but usually whoever's home will have meals together, um, spend time together throughout the day. When they were little, I would do anything I had to do. They were with me, really, um, beside me in the kitchen helping. Um, they'd be playing or drawing at the table while I worked in the kitchen. Um, we'd go shopping together. We'd do as much as we could together, and they learnt to fit into our lifestyle and to fit into um, the things that we did instead of always being told, go away, I'm busy, Um, I don't have time to let you help me in the kitchen because I'm too busy. I always had them, you know, most most of the time they were with me. And um, also at night when I put them to bed, I spent time talking to them and that's you know, it gets less often as they get older, but they still need it. And even, you know, even my 20-year-old will want to chat to me at night sometimes and have a big DNM. It's not um, something that, you know, it's something that you can, you can continue throughout their adulthood um, in a way, obviously less often. But if they come to see you as one of their best friends, I feel like, you've succeeded in your parenting (laughs) and that's how I feel about my kids that each one is one of my best friends so um yeah don't be afraid of the teenage years they are challenging in a lot of ways because kids obviously are becoming adults and they're wanting to be more independent and that's a good thing um and they're going to push the boundaries with food as as well as everything else and we've definitely seen that in our family but I think when you don't react when you just respond calmly and you just keep working on things and um, talk things through together in times of non-conflict this is just a really basic principle of parenting whether it relates to food or any part of parenting um, just having those positive conversations and times together where you can discuss stuff without anyone getting upset and angry just chatting Um, so bringing up a subject in a time of non-conflict non-conflict when you can both calmly talk about it so um, that's one thing that I've found really helpful even with the health and food stuff if they've got friends over and um, they're eating something that they probably shouldn't be or is not great for them because they've been out with their friends and they've brought it home that's probably not the best time to discuss it (laughs) in front of their friends Um, it's more a matter of okay let's unless it's you know unless it's really major but you know a packet of chips or something like that I think that's in our family I've just found later on I'll say to them hey how are you going with your diet I noticed you're eating chips let's um, have a think about how things are going with your health because in our family we notice how the food um, reacts pretty quickly if you have a child struggling with anxiety or um, OCD or anything like that like we do 
the food um, can tip the scales quite quickly. So they know. Sometimes they just need a little reminder. But we're going to talk about all of that in this podcast and more. Um, Dr. Damien Christoph is with us on this show and he is so fascinating to talk to. Every time I talk to him, I learn so much. And we had all these questions from um, readers and, and my own sort of um, talks that I've done before on the teenage years. And um, we were going to talk through them all, but obviously we got through probably three or four and it took all our time <laughs> because... Yeah, we, we did go off on a few rabbit trails, but they're all really interesting ones. But I thought what we'll do is um, I might do a part two on the next podcast and um, talk about some more of the really basic practical tips for getting your teenagers to eat well. But have a listen to this one first because it's quite foundational um, and you'll I think you'll find some great um, advice in this podcast and it's lots of fun as well as it always is with Fufu and Damo. <laughs> Enjoy the podcast and I hope to hear from you sometime. You Feel free to comment on the Facebook page um, or send us a message by email, help at quirkycooking.com.au and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Welcome to two of my favourite people. Fufu and Damo. This is a pretty wow. cool podcast from far north Queensland, Melbourne, and Lebanon. How's that? Yeah. That's Damien, cool. what are you doing in Lebanon, bro? <laughs> no, I'm the one in Lebanon. Hey, uh, I came over here for good weather um, uh, and good food. Hey, so if there's good weather, maybe I should go because it's terrible uh, here. It's great. It's <laughs> well, so sunshine. Like, I'm going to get uh, my vitamin D supply for the Australian winter when I get uh, back. Oh, good on you. It's topped up. Is it cold and wet there, Damo? Uh, it's cold. It hasn't been raining too much. But I've just come back from New Zealand. I was skiing in New Zealand for oh. five days. And then prior to that, two weeks prior to that, I was in Thailand for 10 days. So oh, nice. I'm... I'm kind of living the dream, and in six weeks, I'm heading off to Icaria with Marcus ah. to do the Greek long gym. Oh, so lucky you! I'm, um, I'm not doing it tough right now. Like life's <laughs> pretty good, and you know, it's, it's not too bad at all. Um, I'm heading down like your way. I'm I know. I can't wait to see you. It's going to yeah. be great. Well, I'll be down. I'll be down the next week. So. Oh. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm coming down. I'm going down to be um, filmed by SBS for a cooking show, <laughs> a gluten-free really? cooking show. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. That That's is the best. Cool. Yeah, I can't use my thermomix though. So is I hope first time on television? Oh, yeah, proper te television. I, I do remember my first professional video, which was done by Thermomix with the big, um, you know, uh, camera crew and the little board that goes chop tape one and all that and oh. scared me to death and and when Fuad watched the video he told me I suck at TV so yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was bad direction <laughs> you've definitely improved definitely <laughs> I would say that fully like I, I, you know you needed those words, words know, of discouragement Fuad knows that when someone tells me that I can't do something, that I'm going to try extra hard to do it. Yeah. I'm very stubborn, so. He is very, very stubborn. There you go. I'll have to, I'll have to stop telling you when I do that. that. 
What did you say, Damon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll she, have to stop telling you. She's all about motivation. Yeah, that's right. Just tell her the opposite. Right? <laughs> yeah. You can't There's do no another cookbook. I'll show you. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, you're not good at cookbooks. And you can't even raise children. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, well and speaking of raising children. Lift your game. Lift your game. Oh, I love it. All right. So, you know, thanks for that segue, Damo, because that's what we're going to be talking about, raising children. And yeah. Really, the question today is about teenagers, and we're talking about how to raise teenagers. And I'm not that, at that life stage yet, so I'm going to be doing the interview for both of you. So uh, I'm very excited to be the guy asking the questions because, it will, you know, you're the one who's going to be doing all the thinking, and I can just kick back and enjoy your chat. Okay. While I'm lying down in the Lebanese summer sun. So we're, we're going to be talking about, you know, keeping teenagers healthy and giving them an education on what is healthy and what isn't. And before we get started, maybe a, a brief introduction from both of you about your own teenagers, their stories, the struggles they've had, the ups and downs, and um, what a healthy diet has played uh, in the role of keeping them well as they grow up. So maybe we'll kick off with Damo and move, move on to Joe. Okay. Men first. That's the way. I like that. <laughs> well, it's just um, that Joe's told her story many Yeah, times. they've heard mine. You tell yours, Damo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that the reason? I thought you were just being nice. Okay, uh, fair. I thought we were just going to mix it up here a little bit. Yeah. No. Um, well, you know, look, my, my background in food spans 20-odd years. You know, I studied a naturopath back in 1994, 95, and um, I then continued to learn about nutrition and develop philosophies around it and develop, you know, kind of a, a culture around food that, you know, has evolved enormously since visiting Greece and becoming, I suppose, more involved in an ancestral design around eating, which is what you guys talk about, and I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing that, and so along the way, um, my approach to feeding and teaching Jackson, who's now about to turn 19, um, it has, has, you know, changed and grown and uh, I suppose adjusted to, you know, taste buds and flavours and palates as we've kind of played with different foods and removed things and put things in and all that sort of stuff. So it's been a really interesting journey because Jackson, when, you know, when he was living with his mum, I've got to be honest here, but he was living with his mum wasn't really that well. And when he came to live with Amber and I, we, we kind of put him into an immersion phase of, okay, so this is spinach and this is, you know, we don't eat sausages here. We're not having chicken Kiev. You know, we're actually having real food. And so we had to teach him all about real food. And he loved it. Like he loved it. So from the age of eight through to probably... Oh, when did you meet him, Joe? Would have been he was fourteen, I suppose. Yeah, maybe I think he was about 14. thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. He, yeah, and he was really open to eating all kinds of flavors, all kinds of foods. Loved it when we'd travel overseas, and really enjoyed understanding, you know, you know, different cultures around food and how to get different flavors out of food, and then understanding the benefits of it so much so that he was like a walking A-frame. He'd go to school and he'd go, oh, that's bad food. You shouldn't eat that. You should eat this. This is what I get given by my dad. And my dad makes me eat this and this is what it's doing for me. And so, you know, he was probably a little bit too evangelical. He, you know, he'd never been to a wellness summit, but it was like he'd been to a wellness summit. And he um, he would just walk around telling everybody how good good food was. And and then I suppose the the 
you know, challenges of teenagehood uh, bring around, you know, the need for acceptance and the need to socialise and all of those sorts of things. And so bit by bit, little things started to sneak in from probably 15 or 16 years old. And every now and then we'd find empty chip packets up in his bin or we'd find em- empty chocolate wrappers stuffed under his bed um, or we'd find, you know, I, I, one day I looked through his drawers to, you know, just find out what was going on there and there was a half-open box of um, of jelly sour things and I was like, Jacko, like, what are you doing? Like, how, how did you go from eating really, really good food three meals at least a day and healthy snacks to like where you are right now. He goes, oh, I don't really know how they got there. Like, I don't know how these chips got in my bedroom or I don't really know how these lollies got here. So we became really, really defensive about it. And so we had to go through the psychology of all of that. So we've gone through all these different phases and even like looking at the symptoms of bad food and then him experiencing the symptoms of the bad food, but then still continuing to eat the bad food, even though we could see that that was you know, a problem. Um, and now he's coming out the other side and he's back eating good, healthy food again. Um, but it's, he it's definitely He's about to turn 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, so did you do anything in particular to turn him around or was it just a uh, time? Oh, well, I used to um, get a whip and I would whip him. <laughs> tough love. That's, that's <laughs> Yeah, don't try this at home, like guys. This is <laughs> experimental. Apparently, you're not, apparently that's not allowed to be done. <laughs> uh, oh, so apparently, you're not allowed to do that. Like, apparently, that's bad. But I don't. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think it is allowed anymore. It works. Uh, works. Yeah. But, um, no, we didn't. I didn't. But I would sit him down and I'd say, Jacko, you know, this isn't good for you. And he'd go, yeah, yeah, I know, Dad, it's not good for me. And I'd go, Jack, it's going to be doing this, it's going to be doing that. But there came a period of time where the speed at which Jackson's brain was shrinking was far more rapid than the information that I could provide him that would stick. And so what I learned about that is, you know, there's a process called synaptic pruning where children, particularly boys, lose a large amount of synapses in their brain from about the age of 15 or 16 years old and it continues to about 26, 27 years old. Really? So, Fui, yeah, (laughs) just about to stop losing brain cells, right? Um, (laughs) First the hair, now the synapses. I know. It's a tough life being a bloke, mate. It's so hard. It's yeah. like it's really difficult. Oh, come on, you too. We, uh, so, <laughs> so we lose these brain cells at a rate of knots, and the fastest period of time where we lose these brain cells is is from about fifteen or sixteen through to eighteen, nineteen. We lose bucket loads. In fact, our brain shrinks by nearly twenty five percent. So in that time, it's really hard to teach boys stuff that's going to stay forever. So it's got to be the stuff that you teach them in the early days. Like it's got to be the stuff that they learn. It's got to be their um, chief operating system. So you can upgrade the firmware. You can upgrade, you know, the muscles. You can do all these you know, things to try and help your boys stay healthy, but it's the stuff they learn before 15 yeah. or 16 that's really going to matter. And, uh, and and then some of these kids will find peer groups that uh, support healthy eating, but yeah. some of these kids will fall off um, because they find a peer group that doesn't support healthy eating um, or they might not have the confidence to, you know, challenge the convention of, you know, let's go get a $2 Big Mac from Macca's. We'll get two of them for $3 because they're on special or whatever. 
um, because of the, the whole oh, price and they might have that confidence they're trying to, you know, fit in. Mm. Please tell me yeah, that the brain cells come back or whatever they are, the synapses. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because what actually happens is the reorganisation of these synapses is the thing that makes guys seem really dopey and really dumb because yeah. they reorganise and they re-synapse based on the things that they continue to do. So if their continual habits are unhealthful, then they'll re-synapse their brain according to the things that they continue to practice That's and true. the things that they continue to use or the things that they continue to you know, read or watch or listen mm-hmm. or whatever else. So, you know, much of much of the next decade of damage is done um, in those early, you know, synaptic pruning years. So, you know, all the great work done. Women? Is, well, not as much. Not not, <laughs> not as much. Women, um, their synaptic pruning kind of begins in their pre-pubescent years, you know, kind of 10, 11, 12. That's when they... You know, they're really sweet and lovely. They're a little bit ditzy. They giggle lots. Um, And then they they fall in love with their... Yep, totally. Fall in Mm. love with their dad. They really just want to be around their dad all the time and they're hanging off their dad and then they don't like their mum and then they have their period and then there's all these things that kind of go wrong from a hormone perspective. Then by about 16 years old, they've sorted most of their stuff out. So Mm. the pain for a girl is really somewhere between five years and maybe maybe six years but it's, it's probably really only you know four or five years but for for boys it's literally from 16 all the way through to like 26 to 28 so we're talking so we need you know, to be parented for an extra 10 years more than we think i knew it otherwise they, they do, do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do. <laughs> i have a 20 year old they i do. knew it <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true it's ridiculous oh. and so you know boys this is what happens boys brains get smaller um from 16 then at 18 they're really like flying off the handle but they get their license they learn to drink they're they're able to vote they leave home and go and study at university and so the boys just get into so much trouble and it's the most dangerous time of a boy's life mm. um, you know during that period of time because they just don't think straight yeah. um, and so that's part of that's part of the issue interesting so how oh. how have you gone with um, Jackson now with food so you said he's improved a lot in the last year or two well he has because he now has to take control of his food because he's moved out of home too, John. So he's now moved out of home. He's done it. He has to take some responsibility for the foods that he's choosing. And so he knows that he needs a good breakfast. And so he tends to eat a pretty good breakfast. Um, you know, fortunately, fortunately, he's got access to a great music brand, right? So he has that. Ah, for, um, yes. And then... <laughs> and, <laughs> no folks, no folks. And then delicious. I, um, <laughs> oh yes, what a what a expensive habit, what an expensive hobby that one's been. So, but that's another <laughs> conversation. Oh. Um, but then his lunch has been um, something that I think he's kind of let go. Still, he hasn't really wheeled that in. But his mm-hmm. evening meals, he's making you know much better choices, choosing many more vegetables again, and choosing you know. Uh, probably more unadulterated protein. So he's doing a better job there, mm. but only based off the knowledge that he received when he was younger, because there's a whole bunch of kids around him who never were taught how to eat healthy, that they really are averse to the vegetables and the good quality proteins. 
they kind of go, no, no, just give me the burgers or no, no, just give me the waffles or I'll just have ice cream or I don't feel like eating that. So I'm just going to have pasta or whatever else. So um, because they were never taught healthy food, they've got no concept of what healthy is. So they might think that a blueberry muffin is a healthier choice than, say, a cinnamon muffin. You know what I mean? So it's... <laughs> that's right. That's exactly probably, right. Actually, uh, cinnamon is probably healthier because cinnamon lowers the glycemic index. There you go. It's, 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 that's right. Not, not, it's yeah. going to increase your metabolism. Maybe it's a blueberry muffin with cinnamon. Yeah. Mm, no, oh. now we're talking health food. Now I'm getting Yeah, home. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my yeah. background. But what about you, Joe? How are you going? Because you are, you know, oh. on in in everybody in Australia's eyes in the health field, oh. anyone who's got a thermix, you're the healthiest person on the planet. Oh, no, no. So oh, I hope they don't how have you that. Gone? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as you, as most of you know, we went through the gap stage and at first the kids, because the, it's funny you should mention about the 15-year-old thing with the boys, I think. Simeon was 15 when we started GAPS and Isaac was 13 and the girls were 17 and 11. And um, it was really hard at first to get them to change, but it was the, the whole shift happened because Isaac needed so bad. And I think this is what I tell a lot of parents. Sometimes, sometimes the only way that you can get teenagers to change their diet is to be really desperate <laughs> to change their diet. And, and we were desperate. And so that's sort of how we could make that change quite quickly, um, pulling back the foods that had gotten a bit um, careless and really focusing on healing food. And so that within a month or so, they were all just like, oh, this is so good. This food's really good. It's really helping. And so they were on board. Um, by the time we got through gaps, you know, a couple of years and we were starting to bring in some foods again that we hadn't had for a long time, um, then it started to get harder because sort of once you open the gates a bit, they want to push it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, pretty soon it was, oh, well, we'll just have this now and then, you know, this the bought sweets or whatever it was. Um, but I've sort of found as the boys got older, especially they, oh, not just the boys, sorry, my eldest daughter as well is a bit of a sweet tooth and gaps helped to pull that back for them. But then once they started to let in a little bit, they wanted more and more. Um, and I kind of had to, especially once they get older, there's not a lot you can do. It's like you say, they have to think about what they've learned when they're younger and it sort of is all based on that but it's pretty common I think for them to um, push it for a while and to get away from what you've taught them um, and to kind of try all the foods that they haven't had for a fair while <laughs> once they're out and about with friends um, and so we've had lots of ups and downs where Isaac has really suffered because he's let things come back in that he really can't cope with um, and Simi and India. Um, and, but I think what I've always tried to do is um, remind them 
at, a, at the right time, not sort of in a time of stress, um, but, you know, chat to them about how they feel when they eat certain things um, and how they, you know, show them, I guess, remind them of, of the effects of food. So with Isaac, if he lets the sugars and the, you know, the horrible fats that are in junk food come back in, his anxiety goes through the roof and he knows that. So he knows to pull back. Um, but as a parent, you know, of kids with licenses and jobs and their older teenagers, it's difficult, but you pretty much have to just say, um, you know how this food is affecting you. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, buy it for you <laughs> so please don't buy it but yeah they make their own decisions but they they've done pretty well um mostly they eat well but yeah there is definitely things that have crept in over the last few years so yeah this is this is something that we all go through definitely i think um it's, i think it's a fear isn't it like it's a fear yeah. joe and Philly. like it's a it's a fear of anybody who's in the health field that their kids might go back to yeah. eating the stuff that you really hope that they don't eat but yeah the reality is is that society's kind of established in a way that because culturally food's so important for us all mm. depending on the social groups that we hang with or depending yeah. on, you know, what we get involved in from a work perspective or what our kids end up, you know, deciding to do from an education perspective and then what's their earning capacity, that's going to determine, you know, much of the decisions around mm -hmm. their food. And we've kind of got to almost be okay with the work that we did in the early years yeah. um, and letting them fly, letting them kind of work it out and go, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I've got it. And I love to hear that your children pick up on the signals and then go, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't feel good. I better pair that back. I better, you know, pull back from that because it's not making me feel good. Um, well, one, one, but it's um, not the same for everyone. No. And, that, and that's the thing. Like you said, you've got to build that foundation while they're young. Otherwise, they don't have that to fall back on. And I know with Cassia, for instance, she's, my, um, she's 15 and a half. She started to get a, a little bit of a sore throat and a bit of a cough a few days ago. So every meal, she'd go to the fridge. I always have broths and stocks that I'm always making and keeping in the fridge to use. And every meal, she'd go to the fridge for breakfast, everything, and heat up some broth before she had anything else. She'd have a cup of broth because she knows that that helps because we found that out with gaps. Um, and some meals, that's all she'll have until she feels better. So, And I didn't tell her, go and have some broth. She just did it. So it's good to see how they okay. have yeah they have learnt and sure they go and buy a chocolate now and then or a packet of chips or something like that and then you know when they feel sick they go oh okay I shouldn't be eating that <laughs> so yeah 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 but you know what Kim, yeah. this is what's really interesting for me and Demo you're saying about uh, people in the health field get really scared that their kids are gonna start eating the food that they know is bad for them and to me, this is really interesting because, like, I would sort of go, oh, how am I failing with my daughter? Because, like, now she's eating a lot of potatoes or something like that. But um, there's something that's really worth noting, like, especially with the story of both your kids around, say, eating chocolate or those lollies that you found for Jackson. And what's interesting about that, I was watching this uh, episode of Star Trek 
uh, just a while ago. And this alien was talking to someone from Earth. It was, um, it's, you're funny human beings, you know, you've had food in abundance for like hundreds and hundreds of years now, but you still seem to be eating too much and you eat it very, very quickly. And you're not, you haven't sort of stopped doing that ha habit. And now when I look at this food that is, like this junk food that's available, it's not really rational what's going on when people make their decisions to go and eat it. They're not doing it out of any kind of rational decision. It's completely on impulse and on instinct because that food is designed to create, you know, a lot of pleasure for the human body. So when people are pleasure. going to... Yeah. Yeah, it, re it really is. And it talks to a, a base instinct within the mammalian body to seek this pleasure out and have these foods. So um, it's not a problem in education. It's, a, it's really, the problem is in the food industry, putting this mm. food that is unnatural out there and making it so widely available and so cheap without any regulation that this food all of a sudden has been accepted into our diet as normal. And yeah. now it has to compete with something that is less uh, pleasure-causing for us. And, um, yeah. you know, we say, oh, you know, good food makes you feel great. So that's, the, you know, a reward in itself. And it's true. But for that moment when you're having, you know, an Oreo or something like that, you're feeling like you're just in heaven, you know? Like, it's it's short-term like pleasure, yeah. It's true. <laughs> it, it really is. And, mm. and I, I just, I, I feel that that's sort of a, a thing that we're not really looking at it from, a, from the perspective of um, just the biology being hacked by the, the industry because at the end of the day, the education is going to take people far enough, but if they're surrounded by things that are just, you know, everywhere and it's become the norm, it's going to be very hard, hard to fight them. It's just going to be very, very difficult, I think, as time goes by, especially. It's true, it's true. I, I, I often find it's the 12th Tim Tam that makes me feel sick, but all the other ones, <laughs> that's what I find. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's uh, interesting. Is, uh, this is sound of 11. <laughs> yeah, only 11, it'd be fine. You'd have no issues at all. Oh, um, the, uh, I, love, <laughs> I know, right? Just the thought of it. I love that uh, in Star Trek, they were talking about that. There's a great movie that Disney brought out called... Um, uh, Wally. I'm not sure if you ever watched mm -hmm. Wally. It was a cartoon. Yeah, it was a good one. And Wally, uh, yeah, it was a cool one, right? So they had Wally and Earth, all the humans did a bad job with Earth. <laughs> it's amazing. Disney seems to predict so many good things. So, uh, yeah. and we had, all had to leave um, Earth because there was a, a big war and there was too much rubbish and um, nothing would grow on Earth. And Wally's job was to go down from the spaceship that was circling Earth uh, where all of the humans were and he had to go and find, you know, light and fresh air and had to see if there was any life on Earth that might grow. And then eventually one day he finds something that grows and, you know, everything's all really good. But back on the spaceship, everyone on the spaceship is eating the same food. And as a result um, of everyone eating the same food, which just happens to be like a processed smoothie, and they can select, you know, what flavour they want it to be. So that could be cheesecake, it could be donut flavour, it might be roast pork with chips or it might be whatever else. They all look the same. And I think this is a really important thing to consider because when you look around, when somebody's body goes beyond healthy, people start to look the same. Like everything starts to stretch out of proportion. 
the face shape changes, the body shape changes, there's a morphology <clears throat> issue, um, there's a health issue. And so Disney's predicted this in that the more of the same food we consume that's of poor quality, um, the more of the same problems and issues that we'll face. So the messages are kind of there but almost hidden in their delivery. And, and children are somewhat aware of that. They look around, they see that sort of thing. But you're not allowed to you're not allowed to judge anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, you can't say, "Oh, that person's fat," or you can't say that person's skinny, or you can't say, you know, that person's unhealthy or whatever. Else. You can't say those things. There's no ability to, to judge. So there's no real reference point for people anymore. So there's kind of go, "Well, this is the new normal," and so much so that. It's only then when things start to fall apart. We think about the obesity statistics in Australia now um, with Queenslanders being the fattest people in Australia. Oh, Did really? You know that, no, I didn't. You're holding them all back. You're holding oh, them all back. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. You're, you're, you're skewing it in the other direction. That's what's going on. So, so much so they're looking to implement changes or they're, like, they're shouting, you know, calling for changes to advertising. They think that the problem's advertising or they think that the problem is, um, uh, you know, influence on the children um, who are then making bad decisions. But it's not. It's the parents. It's the yeah. parents who are making the bad decisions yeah. and then not educating their children and not prioritising or channeling funds in the right direction for healthy food. So yeah. um, it, it comes back to the design of the meals that we're creating for our children at a young age. Um, not necessarily what they see, it's what they learn. Yeah. And those formative years of the bodybuilding itself really are so important that the highest quality material you can use to build the kid's body is available to them. You know, like that's later on they can after they're you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, they can sort of go through ups and downs in their diet and when they're old enough to sort of really know the difference and they go back to eating healthy. If they had a good foundation, they'll be built really well compared to um, yeah. a child that's brought up eating the junk food and um, all the lollies, and that's their main uh, nutrition source. Yeah, we see that with gut health. You know, if children are eating well from the beginning and, and mum was eating well from the beginning, um, they can handle a bit of, you know, leeway with food maybe when they're older and it's not as big a deal, but... Yeah, goodness, when I know we've really struggled with gut health and the slightest, you know, um, getting off track with food makes a really big difference for us. Hmm. It does. Can I um, maybe just throw a little bit of something else into the mix? Do it. Um, because I think that the food component's one thing, but there's the, um, the, there's the ceremony around food that mm. I think is really important. So you can feed your children really healthy food on the run mm. and they may not learn a whole lot about the food. Um, and so if you feed them salads or whatever else when they're little kids in the car and they drop you know, lettuce on the floor or whatever else um, and there's no mindfulness about the food, then the behaviour around food or consumption of food um, is on the run. So the, the, the way in which people will fuel themselves on the run is with fast food, not with the oh, preparation. Yeah, that's of a good point. Meal. So there's a cultural component around um, food. So sitting around at a dinner table, for, or sitting around at a food table for breakfast, for lunch and for dinner, taking time to actually sit and enjoy and have conversation 
Mm. Um, and to build that ceremony in and around food, when you look at the cultures around the world that seem to do really well with food, and I suspect that some of the cultures within um, the Middle East and some of the cultures certainly within Europe, if we look at the Icarines and the Italians, uh, they do really well from a family perspective um, mm. with their food. And those people that are, um, are healthier and living a long time, they have a ceremony around food. And I think that Spain that's an important Spain. part. I think also... Really sorry, noticed that. I really noticed that in Spain. Yeah, totally right, totally. And then the other thing which I think is really, I think, important is the health decisions that people make. So when they have a symptom, what do they look to do? Do they look to change their behaviour or do they look to ameliorate the symptom with a Panadol or an aspirin Mm -hmm. or do they go to the doctor for some antibiotics? And so for the very health-conscious family, they're more likely to avoid going to get antibiotics or pharmaceutical intervention and maybe look at the behaviours of, you know, of, of the person who's experiencing the symptoms. So are they likely to look for um, an, a, a cause based on behaviour or they're looking for an external cause that's not their fault? So I think that education is also something that will help children make better decisions as they go into teenage years because if they can identify that they're not feeling well because of their behaviour as opposed to they're not feeling well because Sally down the hallway also has the flu or Johnny across the hallway has got diarrhoea. Like if they can identify that it's their behaviour that's causing this problem as opposed to someone else's fault, then they'll look to correct their dysfunction through their own behaviour as opposed to look for an external source of symptom management. Does that make sense? Mm. So basically always look first at what you're eating and what your lifestyle is. Totally link it, you know, link it. So you can't help anything. Mm. Yeah. You've done that beautifully, Joe. Mm. Yeah. Tried to. You've done that beautifully because, you know, your daughter, when she's not feeling well, she goes to the fridge and gets some bone broth. Mm. Now, there'll be other people that when they're not feeling well, they'll go and get some codril. Yeah. Um, but so there's a difference there. There's a behavioural difference. Mm. Or, and, and, be, and that behavioural difference is based on on this very fact is that, the person who goes and buys codril thinks it's not their fault that they've got a sore throat. Um, yeah. The person who's going to get some bone broth recognises that it's been a fault in their behaviour that now go- they've got a sore throat and that they can actually improve some things to actually help their body get on top of it. Whereas someone who's searching for codril or paracetamol is going, mm, something's happening to me, I've got this thing. Um, I better use something else externally to fix my problem because it's not my fault, if that makes sense. And, and also, like, Damien, I, I sort of go a little bit further in, in that the person who's taking the bone broth goes, oh, I'm not feeling well, so I'm going to take some time and give my body the time and the nutrients that it needs in order to optimize itself and to heal from what's going on. And so that I could feel good, and they look at their body with a sense of compassion. But the person who takes Codril is going, "Oh my God, I've got a thousand things that I need to do, and my body's telling me, and I, yeah, and I've got to be able to take that stuff to to do it against what my body needs." You know, that's and so that exactly. Also, yeah, different perspective. Exactly. There's a mindfulness, isn't there? There's an awareness of your body and a love for your body. Um, as opposed to just an expectation that your body can handle whatever you throw at it. Oh, sorry, I've got a croaky throat here because I just coughed and that's because I do have a little bit of a cough, <laughs> being completely honest. But I posted about it <laughs> on Instagram and I said, 
you know, when I feel a bit under the weather, I go to bed and I rest and I, you know, I talked about the things that I do and I don't soldier on, which is like the catchphrase of our society, soldier on, take this medication, soldier on. I said, I don't, I rest. My body's telling me that I have to rest and I have to, you know, get back to nutrient-dense foods. And a lot of people <clears throat> said, thank you so much for saying that because we feel like in our society we have to keep going and that it's almost like we're just being lazy if we pull back and have a rest. It's funny, isn't it? It is amazing. People and being sick has been like one of the things that our, our human beings have always excelled at. Like we used to, like if someone would be sick, they would be looked after, cared for by their family, by their tribe. They weren't forced to do things because everyone got sick and they understood what it meant to be looked after and to recover. But now because of you know the need for money and the so you don't get stressed at work and because you can't really get on top of the work at home and things like that. It creates a lot of pressure. And really it's about talking about social engineering or you know, reverse engineering and going back to where we were in our mindsets. That's one of, one of the things we've got to do there to be able to say, oh, okay, well, you know, like, I've got to, it's time to be sick now. I, mm. It's okay and I'm going to need to rest. And that's so far from where we are just so mm. far it's incredible yeah. and that's like in our family i've trained the kids that if someone's sick then the other people in the family look after them and we don't you know we don't push them to do everything and we we let them rest um and so then i benefit from that because when i'm sick i just lay in bed and they bring me meals and cups of tea <laughs> yeah that's how it's all that's how it should that's be, how it should be. Yeah, that's how it, right yeah. <laughs> Well played, Joe. Well played. I know. Yeah, I know. That's good. <laughs> uh, but we should, um, yes, it get back nice to the... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that the other day, I was on Triple M the other day, and they said, "What? why is the cold and the flu lasting longer this year than any other year before? And I said, what are you talking about? They said, everyone seems to be sick, and, you know, they have colds for longer and they've got flus for longer. And I said, no, really. They're just... It's that they're meant to have it for a period of time, but they're meant to stay at home and rest. It's just that we have an expectation that people are meant to continue to, yeah. you know, keep on firing on all four. And mm. and as a result of that, it appears that people are sicker for longer. But the other thing is too that people do stay sicker for longer if they just treat the symptoms. So if they're not looking to rebuild the body, then they're going to stay sicker for longer because the bacteria or the virus um, has a greater opportunity to stick around. So if you just treat the temperature by taking some paracetamol you're not actually trying to rid the body of the infection in other words the body has a defense mechanism set up to raise the temperature to beat off this virus or this bacteria if you suppress that then that bacteria or virus just sticks around so it's it will last longer depending on the way in which you manage it so going back to you know what you guys might do in your family joe is you might all have some bone broth and then nourish and nurture each other as you're resting to let your body heal again. Um, that's very, very different where you might, you know, throw a, a packet of paracetamol at someone to manage their symptoms and a, a box of Kleenex to wipe their snotty nose. Like it's a really different approach. There. Yeah, totally. Off track, weren't we? A bit off track. Sorry. That's okay. But we, yeah. we knew know, that we, we could rename the podcast to something else. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. That's um, <laughs> but shall we, shall we take it back to the kids and the teenagers sure. and uh, maybe... Yeah looking at um, really what your individual goals are when it comes to kids and health and 
what you want for them and what you want them to know. So demo can let us know what your goals with your kids are, with your well, with yeah. your son. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, my goal for Jackson is that he lives a healthy, long life. That's that's it. And so um, I can continue to you know tiger parent him. I can you know be the helicopter parent and and you know be over the top of him and not allow him to make his own decisions and then you have the repercussions um or i can actually let him have you know make those decisions and have those repercussions and then him learn from that so and that's the place that i find myself in these days so now that he's left the home um he's living out of you know out of the university uh, where he's studying and he now has to be I suppose, aware of the decisions that he's making. I've got to now drip feed him some information and continue to parent him because that's my job as a parent. I, like My job as a parent will never stop, I feel. Like I thought that maybe when he turned 18, my job was done, but it feels like it's just different now. Um, I, I used to have maybe a bit more of an influence over his decision-making, whereas I have less of a, an influence over his decision-making, but I can still reinforce um, the knowledge that he's got and he can still continue to learn from me and learn from Amber um, and probably also his mum now that she's, you know, on a healthy path, that they can, you know, make better decisions uh, for themselves um, as well as be guided, if that makes sense. Now, I know that he's going to drink alcohol and play up and probably eat bad food and I I still to this day don't think he's eaten McDonald's and I'm pretty sure he hasn't had McDonald's. That's pretty um, good. Which is pretty cool. Mm. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't bought a shopping trolley full of chips and chocolate, (laughs) you know, all the other bits. I don't think he's ever drunk Coca-Cola either. So I think there's a couple of little wins there, but um, he's definitely KFC. I know that for sure. And he's definitely had Road Rooster. So, you know, I have some little wins that I can chalk up, but (laughs) I think what I've got to do and, and my hope for him is that he stays as healthy as he possibly can and still, you know, feel you know, that, that he's um, included and, and maybe at some that's point he then might become a leader. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's really difficult. And I think if he can become a bit of a leader and people go, oh, Jacko actually seems to never get sick, what's he actually doing? Because if Jackson does get sick, he says, Dad, I need an adjustment. Um, or dad, you know, have, have you got any broth or dad, have you got any fried mushroom extract or whatever it is that we use to help each other out to get each other well? Um, that's what we do. But it doesn't include paracetamol. It doesn't include anti-inflammatories. And it doesn't include, well, you know, all what the, was the extract you mentioned? Sorry. Oh, it's a five mushroom extract. It, it contains oh. shiitake and mataki oh, and coriolis and grafola and yeah. all those sorts of mushrooms. Yeah, it's really yeah. very, very effective, particularly for children with... Um, strep throat and that sort of thing. So that's Jackson's weakness. If he's let himself go, he gets a sore throat. So because he's a singer, that's his most vulnerable area. So I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a beautiful singer. Yeah. So he's got to look after his boys. But so my hope for him is that he continues to make better decisions and he stays as healthy as he possibly can. Um, I don't think he's going to go down the health route. So I don't think he's going to be, you know, the health guru or, you know, do podcasts, you know, called the Wellness Boys or whatever it's going to be like. I don't think do that. Um, you know, I think he's going to go down to the finance route. If he goes down the finance route, I hope that he stays really healthy based on the information and the leadership that I've been able to show, you know, and share, if that makes sense. Yeah. Jojo, what about you? Um, was it, were you asking me how I 
sorry, I forgot what the question what, what was. Goal, what goals you have for your kids when it comes to health? Okay. Um, well, my main goal is that they would take responsibility for their own health as they get older. And this is something I've said to them, you know, even when we were doing gaps and they would be like, oh, how come dad can eat whatever he wants? I'm like, well, because he's an adult and he has to make his own decisions and he has to take responsibility for his own health and you'll get to that stage one day and I hope that you will understand, you know, the basics of healthy eating and make good choices, but that's, that's for when, you, you know, when you're the one buying the food, which now they are helping to buy the food. So mm. um, helping them to understand the benefits of good food, obviously, which I think I have definitely showed that to them. And because, sure. Yeah, because they've seen that gigantic change with Isaac and even with each one of us really, but especially Isaac, um, thankfully they've, they've got that that they'll always remember. Um, but you know, I want them to be self-motivated. I don't want to, I'm, I don't want to police them. I want them to learn to listen to their own bodies and to know what good feels like. And I think that a lot of adults don't know that. Um, you know, they don't know what it feels like to be healthy. They've always had trouble with constipation and headaches and whatever, whatever. Um, and then maybe later in life, they begin. They have a health kick or whatever, and they start learning about good food and they start changing the things and they think, oh my goodness, I never know I never knew you could feel this good. Well you kind of said that with your story, right, Bob? You know, yeah, once you've changed your diet. But yeah, I want them to know that from really young, how it feels to feel well. Um so that they that's their goal to to go back to that if they start to get away mm -hmm. from it. And I think Kids will go away from it at times, just like we've talked about, but I think when they know what it feels like to feel good, they'll want to get back to that. So how do you emotionally deal with it when your kids aren't eating well? Like are you do you go to like self blame or stress? How how do you deal with it? I think when it's just a little bit here and there, I sort of feel like, well, that's gonna happen and I will Yeah. Well, you know, I'll make a comment sometimes say, Hey, Isaac, you shouldn't be eating that. You know it's not going to make you feel well um, or yeah. something like that. But it's only, I think it's when I see that it's happened too much, you know, if it gets... And it's bit, starting to affect them as well. And yeah. it's starting to affect them. Then I get upset and I'm just like, you know better than this and now you're going to get sick and, you know, and I have to be careful not to get too emotional, I think, because I remember India saying to me once, Mum, can you please not mention healthy eating and hassle my friends when they come over and my cousins. I'm like, I don't. But she sort of, if I made the slightest comment when her friends were there, I think it embarrassed her. So I have to be really like lettuce. Hey? You might, you might say lettuce. You might say lettuce or blueberry and <laughs> then that's know. enough. No, it was more like, <laughs> Mom, you have to talk about good food. <laughs> they'd come home with friends and they'd all have things that, you know, not all of them, but sometimes they'd bring home things that I didn't really want them having in the house and I'd be like, what's this? So, yeah, um, it, is, it is tricky, but I try to keep it very calm and unemotional and just factual. Try to. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Joe, for, for that answer. So I'll move on to another question here. I've, uh, we've got this question, which I, I'm really interested in hearing the answers for. 
Damon, what things do you wish you had known or listened to as a teenager about your health or your body or the food that you ate? Oh, food. Isn't this just like a 30-minute podcast? <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> might get part five after a while. Uh, I knew nothing about health. I knew oh. nothing about health. And because I, I, I don't know if you know my proper story. I'll be sharing a lot of my um, story um, at the Wellness Summit because not many people know my, my health story, my oh, background. Gosh. So I'll be sharing that at the Wellness Summit this year. But... Um, I was a very poor eater and a very unhealthy child, like a really, really unhealthy kid. So that's hope, you know, let's the, hope everyone look, look how Damo turned out. <laughs> <laughs> look what could happen. And I think um, had I had the the, I suppose if my mum had the resources that I had, you know, when I was raising Jackson, if she had that for me, then I reckon I, she would have directed me down a healthy pathway. But because we were very, 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 very poor family. Um, and we relied on free bread deliveries from the St. Vincent mm. de Paul in order to feed ourselves. We, you know, we kind of just got by, we just did things and there was no awareness that food could actually play a role in your health. So nevertheless, you know, probably in the 10 years from the age of three through 13, I would have had more than 100 courses of antibiotics, like <laughs> including injections my tonsils were removed i had grommets i had infections i had i think something like 11 surgeries by the time i was like 14 or 15 years old so i was um i wasn't a very well person at all but we never ever ever thought it was to do with our food ever Um, and so if i had have known had known anything about health and well-being i wish i had known about food when i was growing up because if I'd known about food when I was growing up and the, and the impact it would have on my health, I think I'd be healthier now and I'd probably find it easier to remain healthy as opposed to falling back into bad habits. Because believe it or not, being a human being, I still actually do fall back into bad habits. You know, if times are tough, I might fall into the habit of eating some chocolate. Or if, you know, I'm out at parties, I'll have some bad food. So I do do that most probably because I slip back into being mindless around the food that I eat. But I'm also probably not as hard on myself as what I was, say, 15 years ago when I was doing television. You know, when I was doing TV, I was very hard on myself because I thought there had to be one way or the other as opposed to, I suppose, being kinder to myself. So I think if I had have known anything I wish I'd known about food and that food could be medicine, I just had no idea at that stage. So... You know, it's a simple sort of thing. Long answer for a simple request. I wish I knew about. No, it's, yeah, it's amazing to hear about your story. I never knew that you suffered that much. Mm. You, you look so well, like you. You know, you're a picture of health, really, at the moment. So yeah, it's amazing, man. That's mm. um, that's amazing. Thanks, mate. Well, I will model yeah. my haircut on yours. I like I yeah. <laughs> look as good as you. So I. Uh, you thanks, both, but I am. I am a. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great heads. But you know, I um, I've only you know in the last fifteen years realised that the body will continue to heal itself, mm. and it's only really in the last five years that I've been absolute in my resolve that the body will always heal, and and the and the degree to which it will heal, and the and how well it will heal is absolutely totally dependent on what you allow it to do. 
So if you give it all of the things that it needs to heal, it will heal. If you get out of its way, it will heal. If you continue to abuse it, let's say you continue to smoke, it's going to really struggle to heal. If you continue to eat really bad food, it's going to really struggle to heal. So if you give it the right nutrition, the right mindset, some fresh air, some water and some movement, your body will heal. And, and I think that's a really important thing to learn, regardless of where you are right now, how much damage you've done to yourself or how much damage you've done to your children, you can flip it around by just changing the landscape, changing the environment. Mm. And, and I'm really I'm committed to that resolve mm. um, in that I, I know even to the day that my grandfather died, at the age of 99 years and 352 days, oh. like even to that age, he was still healing himself. You know, only a week before that he cut himself on a table and by the time he died, that, that wound had healed itself and there was a little scab on there. So even as he was in his last days, he was still healing himself. The body will continue to heal until it runs out of breath. And so you just need to, I think you just need to acknowledge that we can, can, we can heal ourselves and get healthy again. Yeah. Joe, what about you? What's your, um, what do you wish that you had listened to? Um, it's very similar. I wish I'd known about the ability, like the, um, the importance of food for healing, because I thought that, all my problems, when my, all my health issues when I was young were due to my body type or my genetics or something like that and I thought there was nothing I could do about them. And, um, yeah, I went through a lot of years of being pretty sick and not knowing there was anything I could do about that. Um, and the sugar, the sugar was something that I wish I'd known about because even when I started to mm. try to eat a more of a natural diet, I still didn't understand how sugar affects you. And I would still like my, I remember one of my healthy friends laughing at me when I was like 30 or so and saying, Oh, you think it makes you healthy because it's gluten free and dairy free and you still have all this sugar. And I didn't know what she meant. I still didn't understand it at that age and it's caused so many issues for me. My addiction to sugar from a very young age um, caused hormone issues. It caused all sorts of things and I wish I'd understood early on. But, you know, growing mm. up in an American family, everything was sugar. Every drink we mm. had had sugar in it. Even though mum made right. everything from scratch, um, our iced tea was full of sugar. Our juice from the fruit on our trees, she'd add heaps of sugar. Everything was sugar. <laughs> baking and, wow. you know, homemade baking, everything was just full of sugar. So that's really been a problem for me um, with yeah. my health. So I wish I'd known about that. Mm. Well, guys, we're coming up to an hour, so uh, mm. maybe... We'll, we'll leave it there. I mean, we did go off course, but uh, <laughs> it was great. It was really nice to get into this uh, uh, conversation with you. And uh, Damon, thanks for coming on the show yeah, again. You, and we'd love to have you again and again. So, uh, such a pleasure. Wanna... Such an honor to be invited on your show. <laughs> I, I, I really am grateful for it. And thank you for letting me share. I, I, maybe I ranted. I'm sorry if I ranted. No, no. Just, no, no. We, we all did. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ben, do you want to tell us um, about Vida, Forage and the Wellness Couch so before you go? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys are part of the Wellness Couch and 
was something that I started with Lawrence Tam and, and Brett Hill many years ago. And, uh, and I've, you know, let go of the reins there and my great friend, Marcus Pierce and my great mate Brett Hill are continuing to, to run the wellness couch, which is great. So that, mm. that delivers lots of, you know, events and the wellness summit's coming up, which is really exciting. I think they're going to do a really good job of it again this year and I'm sure they'll sell it out. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. When are um, you there? And then, oh, you're not going to be there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's a shock. You'll that's have to shock. have Hang lots on, of fun for us. <laughs> I'm gonna pick myself up off the floor. Oh, I didn't realise you. Were gonna... oh, well, sorry for so the bad shot. That's gonna be different. <laughs> what a shame! But that's all right. It'll still be a great thing. Um, and then, so, but I've got my practice. I'm a chiropractor um, mainly. I don't do many nutrition consultations these days. I, I find that there's a lot of great nutritionists around. I work very closely with um, Steph Lowe. You know mm-hmm. uh, Steph Lowe from yeah, the Realford Real. So um, I do a lot of work with her. Her husband works with me as a chiropractor mm-hmm. and um, and she literally is 50 metres around the corner. So mm-hmm. we've got a really great collaboration going on there, which I love. Awesome. Um, so I do that. And then, of course, I've got forage cereal and forage is my, uh, my mm-hmm. hobby. It's my expensive hobby, but I, it's a really great muesli range, breakfast, you know, breakfast range that people can choose and, and know that it's really, really good quality and really healthy for them. It's part, of, it's part of a healthy diet. Just saying. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> and, um, and so I've got that. And so, you know, and then I speak around Australia. So I've got the DamienChristoph.com website and that links to foragecereal.com and it links to vitalifestyles.com and, and so people can find me there and I've got lots of videos and information all over the place so that, you know, people can get access to me in those spaces. Cool. Well, if you have any um, links to anything coming up that you want us to share, let us know because we can put that on the show notes as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I, I actually, I'm heading up to Queensland in a couple of weeks' time to, uh, to do a gut first seminar, but it's not far north Queensland where you are, Joe. It's just I'm going up to, is it, it's, it's just at the start of the Sunshine Coast. so it's just oh, like 2,000 kilometres south of me. <laughs> yeah, it's about 2,000 kilometres north of me and 2,000 kilometres south yeah, of you. in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's but cool. that's, uh, I'm doing a talk on gut first and how the gut and the brain are connected neurologically. So, you know, we talk about the gut-brain connection. Often we talk about serotonin. We talk yeah. about you know, the, the neurochemicals. Uh, yep. But I'll talk about how and why and then how do we influence it, um, you know, not only through food but through thought. And I think mm. that's also really important. Yeah, how do we control our time through, through thought? That's, that's cool. That's good. That's well, awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, thank we'll, you. We'll um, be back again soon for another podcast. And in the meantime, yeah. have a great fortnight and we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. The 2019 Wellness Summit is almost here. I love being at these events. They're always such a great, positive environment. It's been really great to um, listen to like-minded people and to um, meet a few people, actually. I've been to every summit and I've been to every one and I'll always keep coming. It's always inspiring. It's been a real eye-opener. We're actually signed up to go to the breakthrough now. It's very motivating. I think it's great to listen to people who are inspired. And there's always something to learn and something to take away. I think uh, for myself and giving myself that um, opportunity to, to learn. There's so much going on in life and everything that you can get distracted and forget the things that you should be doing. And this always reminds you to get back on track and, and um, to focus on the things that are important, a holistic health. 
just do it, yeah. Just yeah, suck it up and do it. It's uh, it could be life changing, yeah. I would say it's awesome, and it's the start of changing your life. Come along, see what it's about, and enjoy it. It's an amazing event with like-minded, positive people, and you can't help but um, walk away feeling great. Positive Mentor presents the 2019 Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne. Can you afford to miss out? Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.